Broncos, the wellness podcast brought to you by Bronco Fit, Boise State's campus wellness department. We are found on the first floor of the Norco building and aim to make Boise State America's healthiest learning environment. We've created this podcast with the goal of bringing you quick wellness tips and tricks to incorporate throughout your day. My name is Elizabeth Bricker and I'm Hannah Campbell and we are Bronco Fit Peer Health Educators. Welcome to episode four of the Bounce Broncos. This week, we are excited to be joined by Libby Gutchenritter, an engagement manager from the One Love Foundation. We spoke with Libby last week about the signs of a healthy and unhealthy relationship, as well as how we can best support our friends in relationships, as we broke down an episode of the popular television show, Friends. In the two episodes that we discussed, there was infidelity, lying, attempts to make up, and a lot of difficult conversations. We unpacked the actions of couple Ross and Rachel in the episodes We Were on a Break. This week's weekly wellness tip is to check in with a friend who is in a romantic relationship and see how they're doing. We hope you enjoy the episode. So One Love was founded in 2010 uh, in honor of a young woman named Yardley Love. Yardley was then a senior at the University of Virginia. She was just three weeks shy of her college graduation when she was tragically killed by her ex-boyfriend. And following her death uh, during the trial, her friends and family came together and realized that this wasn't just a random act of violence. This was, in fact, the culmination of an unhealthy and abusive relationship. And in talking about uh, their experiences with Yardley and her ex-boyfriends, they realized that they had seen bits and pieces uh, of the signs and things that weren't quite right, but they didn't have the language to describe what they were seeing and so couldn't put the pieces together to be able to help Yardley. Uh, But we now know that her death was preventable and the foundation works to make sure that young people have the language to describe, identify, and prevent um, unhealthy relationships and death, like deaths like Yardley's. Awesome. Thank you for introducing yourself, Libby. We are so excited um, to have you on the podcast today. Um, I'm and so Yeah, here. thank you. Thank you. All the way from Seattle via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So today on the podcast, we're just going to be talking about um, healthy and unhealthy relationships. Um, And specifically, we're going to be going over a couple episodes of the TV show Friends, which should be very fun. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And just talk about the different ways that we as friends can support other people in healthy and unhealthy relationships and how you yourself can identify what it means to be in a healthy relationship and um, potentially if you're in an unhealthy relationship to help you. be able to identify that yourself. Um, so Libby, if you could go ahead and tell us the 10 signs of a healthy relationship, that will be great. Yeah, so uh, at one level we really focus on behaviors. And so the 10 signs of a healthy relationship are behaviors and dynamics we look for. We have comfortable pace, trust, honesty, independence, respect, equality, kindness, healthy conflict, taking responsibility, and my favorite one, fun. All healthy relationships should be fun. That's such a good one. I love it. I was I was talking to you about it and have talked to Hannah about it. I haven't really thought that much about that being like a sign of a healthy relationship, but I think that that's super important and um, something to look out for, for sure. Yeah, those are all so helpful. And like you said, like naming those specific behaviors you can look for. I really... Mm-hmm. All of them are great, but one that also stands out to me is the comfortable pace one, just because I think that connects the idea of, like, trusting your own instincts and gut, and, like, if it, it should feel comfortable and safe to be in that relationship. Absolutely, and I think something we talk about, too, with comfortable pace is that doesn't mean slow, 
right? Comfortable pace just means a pace that both people in the relationship feel comfortable with. And there's just communication and saying, is, is this, what's this feel good for you? Did this feel right for you? And both people are on the same page. All right, and then the 10 signs of an unhealthy relationship. All right, we have intensity, possessiveness, manipulation, isolation, sabotage, belittling, guilting, volatility, betrayal, and deflecting responsibility. Do you want to kind of go into volatility and what that means? I think that's one that people aren't super familiar with. Yeah, volatility is one. Um, so how I think about it, again, is in this framework of behaviors. When we think about being angry, right, you can be angry. That's a reasonable feeling to have. People will do things that upset you. Um, so you can feel however you want. But when it, when that feeling of anger um, then is projected onto somebody else and you start to lash out, that's when you, uh, we see this volatility. Um, sometimes a visual that we use is a roller coaster. You have your highs where everything is great and you have your quickly drops and you have a low or things are not great and they can get a little scary. Um, another way that we talk about it is you sometimes feel like you're walking on eggshells around someone, right? You, you don't know, are you going to get happy, smiley, Libby? Are you going to get angry, lashing out, physical, uh, Libby. And so uh, this is sometimes where we see uh, physical abuse manifest as in mm-hmm. conjunction with volatility. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I definitely, we've talked about being able to have words for things helps us mm-hmm. to then sort of identify kind of what's going on in our relationships. And yeah, I'd love for you kind of to talk a little bit more about how, how that can help us navigate our relationships, just being able to label things for ourselves and have the proper vocabulary to describe our experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, we talk a lot at One Love about how to help our friends and what to look out for in our own relationships, as well as our friends' relationships, especially with young people. Your friends are such an integral part of your community. Um, We talk a lot about, and then for college students in particular, your friends become your chosen family while on campus. And so when you're around these people, uh, you're really looking at all of these different components. And sometimes when you see something in your friend's relationship or your friend sees something in your relationship that doesn't feel quite right, they might say like, oh, he's trash. And like, or use these expressions, right? And say like, oh, like Mm -hmm. she's horrible. We don't like her. And it just gets into this really like labely sort of like, almost like the belittling comes out, right? You're saying like, oh, I just don't like this person. Mm And the person in the relationship can get really defensive. But if instead we focus on the behaviors and talk about what we're seeing and saying, wow, like um, he, that, it seems like he was acting really intense. How, how did that make you feel? Um, or wow, her, her behavior um, at the party, it seems like she was pretty hot and cold. It seemed a little volatile. Um, did you notice that as well? Um, again, like how did you feel? I mean, it's, I'll use this, like, how did you feel a lot because it's it's really um, not being judgmental. And instead of saying this person is this way, you're talking about what that person did. Yeah, I love that. That seems like such a great tool because with those sentiments of like, oh, like that person's trash, you can tell there's maybe an intention to express and a concern there. 
maybe that's not creating an environment where your friend feels like they can open up about that. And so that seems like such a great tool to give people the language to have those kind of difficult conversations with their friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, those, you make a really good point, right? We're well-intentioned when we want to help our friends, but we, because our friends matter so much to us, uh, we get really invested. We have our own thoughts about their partner or even like our, we might think our friend has changed in their relationship and we feel some way about that. But uh, the person who's in the relationship can, they'll get defensive because they'll say, well, oh, well, you, you don't know everything. You don't see everything. Like you don't know my relationship. And so that's why we, again, try to focus on what we did see or what we did hear. Or sometimes like I'll say, that kind of scared me when I saw her do that or when I saw him do that. Like, how did you feel? And they may say, like, I felt totally fine. We, we talked about it. I feel comfortable. Um, and trusting that person and letting them be the driver. But as a friend, if I say that made me uncomfortable um, or that made me nervous, it can, can give the person permission to feel the same. Uh, and again, you're just talking again, talking about behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even like structuring your conversations that way shows healthy relationships too. Like in your friendship, like you're showing that trust and honesty of like, here's what I experienced in being open about that, but doing it in a, like you said, a non-judgmental way. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to transition into talking about our episodes of Friends now. <laughs> um, and I'm sure Libby, you'll be better at kind of summarizing it than me since I explained I haven't seen friends except for these two episodes um so yeah kind of what was what was going on in these episodes yeah so um a really cool part about working at one love is that to to practice talking about unhealthy and healthy behaviors we talk about what we see on tv uh and the disclaimer I always want to give is that tv characters especially Ross and Rachel um were created in a writer's room they were created to spark drama um, their their conflict and their conversations are heightened. It's not always realistic to what we see in real life, but in a sitcom setting, right? They're pre- they're presented as real life, so we have to be careful in what we're looking at. Um, but the episodes that we watch to talk about are um, the infamous "We Were on a Break" episodes. Um, we see Ross. Uh, it's Ross and Rachel's anniversary. Uh, Ross wants them to have dinner. Rachel is really busy at work. He shows up. She gets upset. They feel like they're not on the same page. And she says, I think we need to take a break. Um, So then Ross storms off and, spoiler alert, sleeps with Chloe, the copy girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think like, so that's sort of the first, the first piece of this. And we see there's, I'm going to dive deep. I'm a big Friends fan. Um, But we see it's a two episode little bit. And the first episode really talks about how the breakup happened and came to be and the horrible miscommunication that keeps happening between the two of them. Um, and yeah, I just, every time I watch it, I'm struck by something new, but uh, Ross and Rachel both do some pretty unhealthy things uh, in this first part. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think my first impression of the episode was when Ross, when Rachel specifically said to Ross, like, please, you know, I, I don't have time for dinner tonight or whatever, you know, don't come, I'm stuck at work, and then he comes anyways, even though she clearly, like, set that boundary, like, I, I don't have time for this, I'm too busy at work, 
and he came anyway and like showed up with dinner and it was he wasn't just like dropping it off and saying hello he was really like inserting himself into her (laughs) into her evening um yeah I thought I thought that was interesting and wasn't he wasn't really respecting her boundaries and I was trying to think of like a way that that could have been like better communicated or differently communicated um yeah that was just like the first thing that like really stood out to me yeah yeah I love that I think in that oh sorry go ahead in that scene um I really think about him as being possessive right he's possessive of her and doesn't want her to work um for those of you who are familiar with the show she's a co-worker named Mark who Ross is always very jealous of um and Rachel says nothing's happening nothing's happening but Ross does not believe her and so he becomes really possessive of her and her time and comes in and is just says, well, this matters to me, so I'm just going to swoop in um, and take over, which is also starts to inch into this um, belittling, right? Like he's he, through his actions, he's saying that her job doesn't matter, um, that what matters to her actually isn't important. Um, but instead, he's like grinding pepper really loudly right next to her face while she's on the phone and just being disruptive um and seemingly not caring about how that affects her yeah what were your impressions hannah yeah i mean all of that is so valid and i really like that you pointed out like how could this have been different because i do think like he also had some valid feelings of wanting to you know spend time together on an anniversary and honor that milestone and it's okay to have like different priorities or different feelings about that but it's like how could they have both expressed what they needed in that moment then been respectful of that towards each other like she you know was her job was really important in that moment and how could they have found like a compromise instead of him just crossing that boundary and making assumptions about that and then in turn showing that he thinks like his feelings about the situation are more important than hers yeah I definitely think there's um neither of them are really showing much respect for each other she's also kind of deflecting responsibility mm-hmm. in, in a little bit of a different way but she's deflecting their relationship and saying well I care about work um which we all we have deadlines sprung on us um things come up we don't always get to celebrate the days we want to celebrate but uh she she could have done a much better job of taking responsibility and acknowledging that this was hurtful to him uh, and acknowledging that she by choosing work over this dinner was kind of dismissing his behavior his feelings and um she could have said like hey look like I'm so sorry this happened um I wasn't anticipating it but I I have to do this uh can we celebrate when I get home tonight I think I'll be home by nine or I really want to go out to dinner with you is there any way that we can change the reservations to tomorrow so I can be fully present and not have to be this was in the 90s, they didn't have cell phones, but in the 2020 world, right, we all would be on our phones um, instead of being there. And so, right. well, well, often we look at Ross and Rachel and think, I think that Ross is the worst. Um, <laughs> in the, they both do unhealthy things and they both have um, areas to improve. And he could have also just been a lot more empathetic and um, he's, He's a paleontologist. The dinosaurs will still be dead, so he may not have the same kind of deadlines. But um, understanding how important her work is to her, which he does not show. Right. Yeah. It's just such like initial breakdowns in communication. Like, like you said, it is a TV show. It's made for entertainment. But 
just like there's never any kind of I statements in any of their communication like this made me feel this way it's always just like you know like pointing blame and things like that so right. I just like there's never any kind of good communication established in that episode yeah yeah absolutely Definitely. he also um they jump right to like she does eventually go home and they try to talk about it um but she's so exasperated and he they both think they owe each other an apology right and i haven't i love that you said that because i don't think i heard a single i statement in either of these two episodes it's just like you 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 did this it's your fault um which is like the hallmarks of deflecting responsibility mm-hmm. uh but he feels like she doesn't care about me she owes me apology and she feels like hey i told you not to come to work i specifically set this boundary you violated that boundary you owe me an apology Right. Um, and we both shut down. Right. She says, when you break it, he walks out. Yeah. And they don't live together, right? No, they don't. He lives, like, across the street. Right. So she, like, came home from work after their fight, and he was, like, in her house. Yeah. Which is kind of, I don't know, that's kind of odd. Like, (laughs) he, I feel like he wasn't, clearly wasn't, like, giving her space. He was just, like, waiting for her in her house, like, I've been waiting for you to come home and apologize to me, which seems... Um, yeah, seems okay. I actually, in I kind of always think they live in this, like, they all have keys to everybody's homes, right. but outside of that show, if I wasn't living with my partner and I came home and he was just sitting on my couch and be like, can I help you? Right, like, right. Do it. That's a huge... There's... It's... Um, that is just, like, a, the continuance of this possessiveness, right? Your time is mine. Right. It's our anniversary, therefore you have to spend it with me right. and not ever acknowledging like, hey, she just had a really stressful day at work. She might want to decompress or yeah, maybe I should call before. Absolutely. But he's just there eating the picnic. <laughs> right, right. It's so, so strange and kind of like, yeah. I've, you know, I've been waiting for you. Do you see I'm here? It's, mm-hmm. It definitely yeah. doesn't seem like the most not even notice that so thank you for pointing that out yeah. and I think it's a little later in the episode but I feel like even there's a point where it's like that's her space right it's like they're not living together and they get a point where they're fighting and she's like I want you to go and he's like no I want to stay I want to talk and I feel like that even is like she you know maybe that would have been a good time for them both to cool down and recollect about what they're wanting but again mm-hmm. just imposing like no I want to talk about it so that's what we're going to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and sure. it's that's a little guilting right there, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's saying, like, oh, no, 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 like, you have to talk to me. Like, you spent all this time at work, like, you owe me. Right. You, like, yeah. you didn't want to spend, so you didn't want to talk to me there. Well, now you have to talk to me here. Yeah. And that can feel, when people sort of dig their heels in, right? Sometimes there is, it is helpful to talk, to push through and work through the conflict. But if one person is just not, not in the right mindset to have the conversation, which she clearly wasn't, right. um, she clearly comes home from work and is like drained and kind of dejected and like is not in the place for this conversation. And he, he knows her well enough to know that, but keeps pushing, um, is manipulative, right? I'm, I'm just checking all the boxes now. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think that there's some intensity with the fact that he had just like showed up at, at her work and then was at her home. Like that to me beyond the possessiveness too is intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah yeah and what did we think about the whole mark situation and then the chloe situation (laughs) oh my goodness i it's so interesting to me because like 
raw, I, I was taking notes while I was watching and they're having this fight. Um, and this is like towards the end of the first episode and Ross is kind of going off and saying like, Oh, it'd be nice if you just thought this was just a job. And then, which is huge belittling red flag. Um, and she's like, you know, this is important for me. This is the first thing I've done for myself. Like I'm finally good at it. And then Ross all of a sudden goes like, this is about Mark. And she's like, I'm sorry. What? Like, no, it's not, it's not about Mark. We're not talking about Mark, but he's so insecure and he's so possessive and intense and like cannot comprehend Mm -hmm. that she can let anybody else in her life. And so now all of a sudden it's no longer about him. It's no longer about his overstepping. He's like, oh, well, it must be Mark. It's mm-hmm. your fault. You did something wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you. We're just going to bring up this other topic. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that in turn, like, took away from her accomplishment. She's like, I've worked really hard. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, you just care about this job because of Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then, Which yeah, is this very upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. for, sure. for sure. And then later we see, um, as we start to move into part two, um, Mark comes over and he he's he's coming fully from a place what we see in this episode he's coming fully from a place of friendship and just wanting to support her and he knew how excited she was about the anniversary dinner and when he called to check in she sounded really dejected um, but they just like had a friendly Chinese food dinner and then he left well Ross and like Mark is her friend so but then Ross overhears and freaks out. Then Ross is with Chloe, the copy girl, who he has, like, met once when he copied a picture of a dinosaur, probably. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, is like, throws everything away and, like, has a one-night stand with... Um, now, Chloe, I would say Chloe's a little uh, manipulative and, like, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on her. Oh, but gosh, Ross yeah. is a grown adult. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit concerned by, like, initial embrace didn't it was not consensual he like backed away from it mm-hmm. and I, I just that made me uncomfortable I was like that did not seem okay yeah yeah she definitely Chloe definitely crossed crossed a line she knew um she could tell that he was vulnerable he was telling the story about what happened he was saying like um like I'm really upset I think we broke up and or and then I think at one point she goes, are you married? Not that that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's she's pushing the boundary and she's like, she's being manipulative. She knows he's vulnerable. She's taking advantage. Yeah. Um, so she definitely um, did a lot of unhealthy things. But at the same time, we have to remember that it t- anytime we talk about infidelity, you can't just, it takes two people, right? Mm-hmm. This this was a consensual though alcohol induced it was a consensual um event uh so ross has to take some responsibility he he could have said no also we can talk about this where were joey and chandler they were there they were not being good friends yeah (laughs) um but and again like it's not it's not the friend's sole responsibility to step in right it's not like joey and chandler's fault that ross did this right um but when we think about the roles of a friend that you want to mm-hmm. keep an eye out look out for your friends yeah. um but ross still ultimately made a decision um that rachel did not make rachel hung out with mark and was like okay leave i want to be by myself i want to reflect i want to mourn the end of my relationship right and ross um Rachel made a joke at one point that he was like, I thought the relationship was dead. And she goes, well, you sure had a good time at the wake. Oh, so yeah. 
I thought that uh, Chan Chandler and Joey, right? Chandler and Joey's um, dialogue with Ross about the infidelity was very, like, toxic masculinity and just very, you, you can't tell her anything, you can never tell her, and, and I'm assuming, I mean, this is all one big friend group, right? And they were all gung-ho, you need to hide this from her and not tell her about this, and he was, he was like, no, I want to be honest with her, and and yeah. they just completely tried to pull him into doing something he didn't really want to do and gave him bad advice, which was disappointing. Yeah. I, I when I'm watching this, there's so, like, all these toxic masculinity red flags going off. Um, and I actually want to give Ross credit in this moment. Yeah. While he did. So Rachel comes to his apartment the next morning. She's, like, trying to, like, knock. She tells him in the voice, no, she's going to come. So I'll give her that. She knocks on the door, and then Ross hides Chloe behind the door because she's still there. But then immediately when Ross is talking to Chandler and Joey, he says, I want to be honest. I want to tell her what happened. I yeah. want to make this right. And they're like, nah, dude, you can't do that. Um, so Ross is trying to do a healthy thing. He's yeah. trying to, like, take responsibility in that moment. Um, and his friends are giving him some really bad advice. Yeah. And then he ends up on this, like, wild goose chase across their little neighborhood trying to um, – prevent Rachel from ever finding out instead of listening to his gut practicing his 10 healthy signs of relationship yeah. and just going straight to Rachel and trying to make it right and trying to be honest yeah for sure for sure how did I don't remember how she found out oh he then went on a whole journey to try to hide from her what had mm -hmm. happened and it was very and then Gunther from the coffee shop had told her. Um, and for my friends aficionados out there, Gunther has always had a crush on Rachel. So when Gunther had the opportunity to sabotage Ross and Rachel's relationship, he's like, yeah, put me in. I can do this. Oh, so, of course, he, he had told her. And he goes, oh, I wasn't supposed to tell in, like, kind of a mm -hmm. fake sarcastic tone. And Ross turns around, and Rachel's sitting there in the coffee shop looking devastated. Yeah. I think it, it seemed, so then they go back to the apartment or whatever. Yeah. And Which they is right had, about Right. They had a, seemed like they had a very long conversation about it. At one point they like order pizza and, which just seems strange, but it seems like they really had like a long conversation about their relationship and I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, that was and I think What's really interesting to me about this conversation, we get to see it from two perspectives, right? We see, we're watching Ross and Rachel, and then somehow the other four friends, um, Chandler, Joey, Phoebe, and Monica, ended up locked in one of the bedrooms. Um, just now they're stuck overhearing this whole thing. But we see this, we see this conflict go through so many different cycles um, and so many different kind of like heights of them they're, mm -hmm. they're both angry they're loud they're upset and then they're just sad and dejected um which to me really you're asking about volatility that is volatility mm -hmm. right they're not coming to this conversation from a place of like wanting to take responsibility wanting there's nothing healthy about this conflict they're just like lashing out and being upset uh, and taking digs at each other um when they ordered pizza he was like no anchovies and she was like, put extra anchovies on. And then he's like, oh, I'll just pick them off. And she's like, mix them into the sauce. Like, it's silly. It's a, it's a, um, it's a comedy. But it's also 
those little types of digs and trying to like actively undermine and sabotage and pick at each other and make somebody angry um it just like only heightens the conflict and is never going to help you overcome any any type of issue in a relationship yeah that's so true Mm. i thought this i'd never thought about this before but the like since it's a you know a sitcom there's like a a laugh track in the background and and i i didn't really like the places where they had like put the laughter in you know like there was like unhealthy things going on and you know like mildly just like hurtful and bad behavior and then there's there's laughing in the background like when Joey and Chandler are like you know giving him bad advice and telling him to be like not not have integrity there's like laughter and I'm like oh I haven't really I haven't really thought about that you know that's like support of these unhealthy behaviors and I thought that was interesting yeah that's a really good point and I think that's why we always want to be careful when we watch tv and when we talk about characters as at one level we always try to avoid calling characters goals um mm-hmm. you're like oh they're goals like couples goals but mm-hmm. um we know that the way that these shows are written and structured and especially like the, the layer on of the laugh track uh can perpetuate and kind of promote right. unhealthy behaviors yeah there's like right like the, if, if they're laughing they're now promoting dishonesty exactly. and they're promoting this like manipulation through the narrative um yeah. when in fact like and I don't know anytime there's a laugh track it just like makes light of a situation mm-hmm. um so it, it would have been I know that this like sort of how the show is written and we have to take it with a grain of salt but it is hard to watch in that way and it's hard to see um a lot of these I mean throughout the the first part of these episodes too they're the three guys are really objectifying Chloe, the copy girl, and saying like, oh, we're just going to go copy things so we can just like stare at her. Mm-hmm. And then there's laugh tracks, which right. is meant to like re- reinforce right. this like toxic masculinity. Um, like, oh, we're going to objectify these women and just like stare at them, which is a lot of this reinforces this like power and control of like, oh, the men get to choose. Um, and so in some ways, like Chloe's like a little she does a lot of bad things and I do not um, promote or advocate for her behavior, but at least she's like trying to take control back and like mm-hmm. take control back in her mm-hmm. relationships with the men. Um, but yeah, it's still, we can remember that this was from like 1990 something. So mm-hmm. for sure. always remembering lens. Yeah, absolutely. And the media, you know, so much influences culture and influences like social norms. And I definitely think relationships in TV and movies um, reaffirm and establish like these you know bad patterns of behavior and um, just kind of I, I definitely think like the way that the the men were not like a good friend to Rachel in this mm-hmm. in these episodes was a good example of that yeah yeah that's an interesting point like and I, supposed to be her friend too right yeah right and I think that's what's interesting and um another dynamic is that Monica and, and Ross are siblings right so that's just another layer in all of this but I do think a lot about how when we watch shows we don't see um like the episode ends they were still fighting like right, when this episode ends you're like okay well what happened next and then the next episode comes and like these missed pieces of it mm-hmm. um at one point they sit and you hear Monica who's been locked in the room forever go it's three o'clock in the morning like no one's wondering why I didn't come home um, but you're like, okay, this fight has been going on for six hours. Like, what? 
we, we obviously, it's a 22 minute episode. We don't right. get to see the full six hours. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to think of that as like a proxy for like now, fast forward to 2020, like social media and the role of social media mm-hmm. in our lives. And we get to pose like snippets and snapshots and we have our Instagram stories and our Snapchats and you see like 30 seconds of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't you never know what happens in between takes. Right. And you never know um, kind of what's what's behind the scenes or like the fight that happened 30 seconds before that picture was taken. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be interesting to see how that would play out if this was, if yeah. Friends was in. <laughs> In, in the 2000s, yeah. Oh my for goodness. sure. <laughs> um, yeah. It does have such a strong role. It's like, I know I find myself doing it. It's like when you see things on social media and in traditional media, it's easy to just compare your own life to that. Like through media, if you see things like that normalizes the behavior. If you have always heard that Ross and Rachel relationship goals mm-hmm. and then you see that that normalizes mm-hmm. that, as far as their social media, it's hard to not compare yourself to those things you're seeing. Like, well, this is what a relationship looks like. This, like, their relationship is so perfect. Mm-hmm. It has, like, a really strong role in our lives, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to transition into talking about social media um, and just kind of the, the role that it does play in our relationships. Um, any last thoughts about the episodes before we get into that? I think that's about it. I've never really liked Ross and Rachel as a couple, <laughs> personally, but you, you like, you have to acknowledge that it was a big part of, like, our culture. I feel like even if you don't know Friends, you've heard Friends references. Yeah, for so. sure, for sure. The, the only thing I'll leave with is that through the course of these two episodes, but then also the whole ten seasons of the show, we see both of them do both healthy and unhealthy things. Mm. And so what we talk a lot about at One Love is 100% of us are in relationships, 100% of us can learn how to love better. Um, we all do unhealthy things sometimes, but that doesn't relieve you of responsibility mm-hmm. for those unhealthy things. Mm-hmm. And so we see, particularly in these episodes, but also across the show, there's very little taking responsibility with these two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the unhealthy vastly outweighs the healthy, um, which to me says it's, they should not end up together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, if you could just talk a little bit about how, like, One Love, their stance on social media and relationships and kind of how it affects our relationships. And, um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. So we we talk, we use social media a lot to communicate um, and to get our, get our messages and conversations out there. We know that social media is a huge component of young people's lives. Um, I read some stat the other day, kids like the screen, especially during um, COVID and during the pandemics, our screen time has gone up exponentially. So most of the information that we get is through the media and social media. Um, But we also always have to remember that everything is curated. Everything is like in a very basic level, there are things like Facetune and filters and you can crop and edit and Photoshop and you never physically, you're not really always seeing a real person. But the same thing goes for the snapshots of people's lives that we see. People will post um, really like cute, romantic-looking pictures um, that they're very, mo- very well may likely have been a fight immediately after, immediate, immediately before. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a workshop that we run uh, on a lot of campuses called Behind the Post that really highlights the difference between. Uh, what people see on social media, on like their Instagrams, and then what's actually happening to get there. 
So it's it's really this idea of like controlling the narrative. Uh, we want to we want to control what people know about us. That's human nature. But when something like looks like lovely and happy and cheerful, there can very often be unhealthy underlying uh, expectations and behaviors and things perpetuating this. So we always want to assume the best in people, but you don't want to compare yourself to to an Instagram post. Um, comparing your relationship to one that you see on a reality TV show or on an Instagram post or on Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok, like, like think about TikTok. Everything is so edited. So it's just really important to remember, um, take it with a grain of salt and remember that everyone's relationship is unique. Everybody has their ups and downs, um, but it's you shouldn't compare yourself to what you see in the media because it's not real. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, what are some things that we can avoid doing on social media, kind of in support of like our friends' relationships and our own relationships? Um, what are some things that we should just be careful of, of doing? That's a great question. I think the number one thing that I would say is like, don't, don't get really hung up on these, com- like we'll see streams and streams of comments that are like, oh my gosh, goals, mom and dad, like love you so much, like so perfect. And those types of comments actually really can be really harmful and can reinforce some really uh, scary expectations. And so people will post things like, because we see those comments on some people's posts, now they're expected elsewhere. And then when you read the comments, right? So say I post a picture of me and my partner, everybody's like, but never happened to me, but posting like goals, so cute. Like mom and dad, whatever. And then now, but my relationship actually isn't good. Um, but I'm seeing these comments and these comments are making me think, oh, well, we are cute together. Or, oh, actually, maybe it's not so bad. And so by seeing these comments on, on my pictures, I might start to think, oh, well, it's the, I'll like brush aside the unhealthy things and I'll sort of ignore and neglect and like, oh, they're really not that big of a deal. Um, everyone says that we look happy, so we must be happy. Uh, and then that's how people can get stuck in these unhealthy relationships because if it looks nice, now my friends come up to me like, oh, you guys seem so happy. Like your relationship is so cute. You guys are such goals. Um, and so now I have like, this competing narrative in my head, right? What my friends are telling me based on what they see, which is based on what I've chosen to show them. And then what I actually know about what's happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can be really hard for me to get help if my relationship isn't good. So the advice that I always give young people is be careful with what you, you can comment nice things. Um, I'm not saying like never say nice things, but be careful with these like superlative comments, like, and oh, like overly effusive, kind, gushing type things. Right. And instead, um, if you see that people are always like, if, if a boyfriend is always the first person to comment on a girlfriend's post, um, or if you have, um, like people who are, they're always like the first to like, or the first to tag, or they're, they're kind of like engaging in a lot of comments on each other's posts. That's a big sign of possessiveness um, and intensity. And that's really unhealthy uh, if you're constantly engaging with your partner's social media instead of engaging with them in person. What are some things that we can say instead of, you know, all of these comments that are unhelpful yeah 
I think you can just kind of comment. Um, you can still say nice things, right? You can still say like, looks like you guys are having fun or like so cute or like beautiful scenery. Um, I don't know if you would actually say that, but you can still say, you can, you can still comment and like give compliments, but I would just be mindful of kind of these things that reinforce stereotypes. Um, so, or like, it, like, it looks like you had so much fun on there. Like, what did you guys do on that day? Um, I also just in general, and maybe this is just me, I think a lot of like excessive people, people see comments and likes as like social capital. Um, but instead of talking to your friends about their relationship through comments, like actually talk to them. So you can, you could like, you can like the post or comment like, you guys look so cute or like something kind of like baseline, but then also have a conversation with your friend and be like, hey, like, I saw you guys went for a hike, like, how was it? Or I saw that um, you had a really cute picnic or like went apple picking. Tell me about it. Did you have fun? Um, how How is she acting? How was he acting? How are they acting, right? Like asking questions and being genuinely interested in somebody's relationship instead of just this circle surface level hashtag infused um conversation Mm -hmm. uh and then also being mindful too of like when people are posting exclusively things about their partner um really acceptably it may be actually a sign that they're trying to cover something up Mm -hmm. so trust your gut always trust your gut when you see something that when it's sort of like a change um in social media behavior if it's a new relationship and all of a sudden they're posting like a million zillion pictures um, of their girlfriend and be like, okay, this seems like she just got in this relationship. Now she's posting a million pictures. This seems really fast. Uh, ask questions, right? Don't, don't interrogate. Don't say like, I think you're, I need, I'm worried about your relationship, but ask questions and, and kind of show that you care and show that you're there to support through the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what are some other things like outside of social media that we can do if we suspect that our friends are in unhealthy relationships or in abusive relationships? Um, how can we best support those people? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a topic that we love to talk about. Um, I think the most important, we have sort of like eight steps that that we, tips that we give, but the most important one is overall be a supportive friend, be there. Um, so that we'll always start with saying like, start the conversation on a positive note. Don't come in hot. Don't come in accusatory, right? So start calmly. Uh, start, inc- you're encouraging. Say something nice, right? We, think we hear about the compliment sandwich. Um, we're not trying to disguise anything, but we don't, we don't want somebody to be immediately turned off, right? So start calmly, be supportive, come in. Um, and again, focus on behavior. Focus on what you've seen. Focus on what you've heard. Focus on something made you feel, um, but stay friendly, right? Don't be preachy. Don't come in and say, uh, your girlfriend's bad because nobody wants to hear that. Uh, that will make somebody shut down. But instead, you come in and just say, like, hey, I care about you. I want to support you. I wanted to ask how you're feeling. Uh, never, ever, ever blame your friend. So victim blaming can be a really easy trap to fall into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can be really harmful. And so that's not to say that your friend is really, they might've done unhealthy things too, right? We talk about Ross and Rachel, they both did unhealthy things. But if you are Monica, you're gonna talk to Rachel, 
don't blame her. Uh, don't come in and say, well, you shouldn't have been spending so much time with Mark. It's not productive. It's not helpful. It's not going to, it's going to make her shut down, turn off and not want to engage in that conversation. Mm. Um, and then making sure that you're offering solutions, offering options for your friend of, Hey, like if this happens again, and you feel uncomfortable, you can feel free to call me. I can help you out. Um, if you do decide that you want to break up with them, let me know. We can practice together. Um, if you want to talk, I can help you find somebody else to talk to if you don't want to talk to me. But always let your friend make that decision. So your friend is the driving force in their own relationship. You're not the third wheel. Um, as much as you, you may know both parties very well, uh, but it's not, it's not your relationship. So give them some options, give them some choice. And then finally, just expect more conversations in the future. Uh, this very, very rarely does talking to a friend turn into immediate breakup, immediate relationship over, problem solved, woohoo, right? It takes time. Um, and we really want to make sure that the person feels like they're owning the decisions in their relationship. Mm, absolutely. I think that's so important. Um, and one other thing I do want to, the caveat on all of this is trust your gut. Um, and if you, if you feel like your friend is in a dangerous situation, uh, so we, we think about the story of Yardley, right? If her, her ex-boyfriend had been physical and had latched out in the past. Um, so if, if her friends had thought, been really worried that this was going to happen again and in talking to her couldn't get, she, she wasn't really realizing it or she was sort of, um, well, wasn't ready to accept it, ask for help. So we always talk about, we have the three P's, if peers, parents, and professionals, um, we know not everyone has a great relationship with their parents, so substitute in <clears throat> any trusted adult. Um, but if you you are not alone in helping your friend, um, you should not bear the responsibility yourself. So uh, reach out to a peer health educator on campus, um, an advisor, a counselor, anybody who who's there for you. Um, you, you use your use your community and use your support system. So uh, you. It's not snitching. It's not tattling. If you reach out and get help, it is doing the right thing for your friend. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today, Libby. Um, really excited to have this conversation with you and hopeful that people can be able to recognize some um, healthy aspects of their relationships and maybe some unhealthy ones and be able to reach out if they they have any any questions hey, thank you so much for joining us today it was so great to chat with Libby about those healthy and unhealthy relationships and how we can identify those characteristics in our own relationships and those of our friends and how we can support those around us so after listening to this episode if you would like any additional support um, about any of the topics discussed there are some resources available so right here on campus, there is counseling through health services, and they offer individual, couples, and group counseling services. There's also the Gender Equity Center located on the second floor of the Student Union Building, and they offer brief, no-cost, confidential support services for some of the issues we talked about today, including unhealthy relationships and any kind of personal hardship. Off-campus resources include the Women and Children's Alliance. They have a 24-hour domestic violence hotline, as well as a 24-hour rape hotline. 
that information can be found on their website, as well as the Faces of Hope Victim Center, and they have a hotline as well. As always, we hope you guys are having a great week, and it's great spending time with you. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bounce Broncos and Happy Finals! This week's weekly wellness tip is to try for a more sustainable holiday season, and in place of Hannah today, we have Pure Health Ed, Anita, on the podcast this week. Welcome, Anita. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Happy to have you. And we're really excited to be talking a little bit more about sustainability, partially because it is in the environmental dimension of wellness, and in the past we've focused more in our episodes on social and emotional wellness and those dimensions, and so looking forward to kind of getting into a new dimension and exploring um, the topic of sustainability over the holidays today. And when we're investing in our environmental wellness, something that we can be thinking about if we're kind of not sure exactly what that means, there's a couple statements that apply to sustainability. And those are, I believe that everyone has a role to play in protecting the world around us. And I practice environmentally conscious behaviors. And we'll be talking about how those two things play into sustainability over the holidays today. It's also important to remember with all of these tips that we are in a global pandemic, so please use caution when shopping for gifts and food this holiday season, and of course always wear your mask, keep six feet of distance from those not in your household, and wash your hands when you return home from doing errands. During the holidays, there's a lot of excess waste, and as we're shopping more, we're creating more trash and using more electricity and power. Um, to get our decorations and lights going and so that's kind of one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about sustainability today just because as the holidays approach there's a lot more waste that's going on but it's also important to remember that if we can even participate in a few of these habits and behaviors then we are making an impact and you can talk with yourself and if you have roommates with your roommates about some of the the things that you can incorporate into your holiday season this year. Obviously, nobody's perfect when it comes to sustainability, and um, it's just important to take some time to see what contribution you can make. 